We're continuing on uh, from where we were on Christmas Day. Jesus, starting at Luke 2.21. Now we're going to go through this passage bit by bit, but I'm going to pray first. Father, we long for your Holy Spirit to speak to us as we just read your word and see what it says. But uh, I pray, Father, that it would be your Spirit that brings it to life, that ministers to us each uh, where we need, and uh, blesses us in your power. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we left Mary and Joseph in the stable in Bethlehem and um, they'd just given birth to Jesus. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus. The name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord, <coughs> and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Okay, now that sounds like a, a whole lot of laws in there, which there is actually. What Luke's done in that passage, that little bit there, is he's actually combined four different things that happen into a sounds like it all happened on one day, but it didn't. It happened over a period of time. It's, it's a bit like, you know, we might say, uh, you know, we, we, were, we went to South Australia and then we went to Victoria and then we went to New South Wales about the Queensland, but we didn't do all that the same day, did we? Um, it, it, it's combining a whole lot. The first thing is that on the eighth day, uh, Jesus was circumcised, and that was probably in, in, in the synagogue in Bethlehem. Um, because uh, they probably didn't travel that quickly. And circumcision was a covenant sign. From generation to generation, these were the people of God. About 40 days afterwards was what would have been the purification, according to the, the, and that was generally the purification of the mother who had given birth. However, if Joseph helped with the delivery, then he needed to have the same purification that she did. I think. Uh, but it was a reminder that God purifies, purifies his people. We, we sometimes need that because sometimes in life, I don't know if you ever, we know we're saved, we know we belong to God, but sometimes we do things or sometimes things happen around us or we're involved in things and we just feel yucky. You know that feeling? Unclean. We actually relate to that. And God gives these laws do you know that actually killing a couple of pigeons doesn't purify you? Otherwise we'd go shoot them this afternoon and sort it all out, couldn't we? <laughs> but God gave these signs to the people because, hey, you do this ceremony and it's a reminder that I purify you, says God. And we need reminding of that. Sometimes when we feel yucky, we need reminding, you know, God not only has saved us, but he goes on purifying us. Uh, in a similar way, communion doesn't forgive but it's a reminder of the forgiveness that we have. Um, circumcision doesn't make you a, a son of Abraham, as John Baptist said, but it's a sign for God's people that you are. So, then, 
That, so that purification was about 40 days after the birth of Jesus. Um, and then later again came a time where he was presented to the Lord and they had to bring, they had to actually pay money which was called five shekels, which was called a ransom actually, to, uh, to the temple. And then later again, a fourth ceremony, which was a dedication of the firstborn to the Lord's service. And that's probably where the things that we're going to read about today happen. When he's being presented to the Lord uh, as, as a firstborn, but presented to the Lord's service, who knows the time period in there? Okay. Now there was a man, this is verse 25, in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ, or the, the word the Christ there means the Lord's Messiah, the Saviour, the Promised One, the Anointed One of God. So the Holy Spirit told him, be expectant, before you die, you will see the Saviour. Now, assuming he's quite old, but he's expected. Now, this is not a priest. This is a simple man. One of my commentaries said he was a layman. That's so strange. Layman was just so second rate, aren't they? Compared to us, pastors and white people. You know, you poor little lonely people. No, I, I, I hate the term layman, but it's funny. In other words, this was ordinary Joe. Gee, I hope we're all ordinary Joe, really. But, and, and, and he came, but he was righteous and he was devout, and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. That means the comfort. He was waiting for God's people to be comforted. Now, that's actually a, a prophecy of the Old Testament was that the Messiah would come, and remember, he says, Comfort, comfort all my people. You need to find rest. Where are you going to find rest? When this Messiah comes, when this Saviour comes. But in essence, though, at this point, we're coming after a 300-year gap of prophecies or anything else. And now, all of a sudden, we've got John the Baptist, we've got Anna in a minute, we've got, we've got prophecies happening all over the place. But you've got to think, the, Jew, the Jewish people, they're an incredibly resilient people, weren't they? Like, in the, they, they're going for, well, th the last 300 years, say, before the birth of Jesus, They've gone not only without a prophet or a word from the Lord, they've gone without a country. It's all owned by other people. And for a couple of thousand years after that, they had their own never had their own country. And they maybe a resilient people, they were stubborn people. But really they were people that was held or upheld by the Holy Spirit. That's why how else how else can a nation you think about it, in a nation without a country, they don't survive, do they? But these people did. It's a miracle for God. So Simeon's there, moved by the Holy Spirit, he went into the temple court. So he, he didn't live in the temple. I say that because in a minute we find out Anna did. But he he went to the he was moved by the Holy Spirit, he went to the temple, he was led to this family, and he took this child in his arms and he prayed. He prayed, and there's a number of parts to his prayer. But he gives thanks first for God's fulfilment. Actually, the first bit's more about himself. So it says, When the parents brought in the child Jesus to, for, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, 
Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. Sovereign Lord, in other words, I knew you were, no, no, what are you saying? You are in control. You promised to bring your salvation, and here it is, you brought it. This small child will bring salvation. This child will save the people. It says he was prepared in the midst of the people. In other words, he grew up among the people as a baby, as a child. He grew up in the middle of the nation. And he would be a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to all your people. You see, what Simeon knew, what we said last week when we talked about on Sunday with the white, when the wise men come from another nation, Simeon knew also salvation was for the Gentiles, to the glory of Israel. Because you see, God's holy light was going to shine from Israel, actually all of Israel, uh, you know, in, in the Revelation chapter 12, it's described, Israel's just described as one woman who gives birth to a baby son, who defeats the, the evil one. It's like all of Israel giving birth to Jesus. All of Israel's plan was to be fulfilled through this man, Jesus. Those, uh, as Isaiah said, had, who were walking in darkness have seen a great light. And Israel will be glorified as God's nation because through them the Saviour come and salvation came to the world. In a sense, they largely failed in their job, but they never did because God planned from the beginning to bring a son who was Jesus. And from Abraham onwards, he was doing it. He was coming towards the person Jesus. So, Israel was to bear witness for all of the Gentiles. And I've said a number of times before, they did, because we can see in the book that we have, which is the Bible, is written by Israelites. Except Luke and Acts. But, anyway. <laughs> but hey, because Luke was a Gentile. But you understand, the witness is going out to the world. Okay. Verse 33. The child's father and mother marvelled at what he said about them, about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to call, cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and the sword will pierce your own soul too. Speaks of Jesus being one who would divide divide people. But actually it's interesting, you see that that word was, he, he, he prayed for Mary and Joseph but then he spoke back to Mary. What, why do you think that was? Why, just, why did he speak back just to Mary, his mother? Well actually, the truth is by the time that um, Jesus began his ministry, Joseph had already died. He, he, he wasn't there. And, and you know that Jesus immediately, as he began his ministry, started to divide people, didn't he? We love to think that he brought everyone together, but it just never happened like that, especially for the Israelites, for the Pharisees. 
exactly when people whitewash tombs, you start dividing people, don't you? And but he's saying this bringer of salvation, I'll, I'll come back to Mary in a minute though, is going to be actually the most divisive person in history. <laughs> if you start saying Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, you're dividing people, aren't you? If we say Jesus is a way, a truth, a life, then we don't divide anybody. But we say he is the Saviour, the Lord, that's very divisive. And that's actually the, the thing that Jesus came and said, he, he said to the Pharisees, you need forgiveness of your sins, and they said, no, we don't need forgiveness of sins, we're good as we are. We've got it all together. Jesus would expose the hearts of many. It says that the, the thoughts of hearts will be revealed. The true motives of people. That those things that you and me don't actually know. Do you know when someone does something nice for us? And occasionally we think, oh, that's so great. And sometimes we think, I wonder why they're doing that. What's behind that? What's going on there? Yeah. But we never really know, do we? Sometimes it comes out later. God knows all the motives of hearts. He knows that immediately. He knows what's love and what's not. So, again, the Pharisees, who were the most faithful, godly, obedient people, as far as everybody knew, the truth was exposed by Jesus. But he also brought salvation to those who trusted him. So, now go back to this particular word was spoken to Mary because she, see, she saw this division started that happened. In fact, one time she was confused by it and, and, and she went and tried to pull Jesus away from the ministry he was given. Maybe it's talking about that. Or maybe it's talking about the fact that this piercing would happen when Jesus died. But you know, Mary was there when Jesus died. Uh, she, um, she felt the pain of it uh, as a, a and mother experiences the pain of her children. And um, Mary experienced that. Now, that's not Simeon. What's, it's all happy now. And it's not Simeon saying, oh, you know, Simeon's a bit of a negative Nancy, putting damper on things by mentioning, oh, you're going to get, you're going to be pierced with a sword, Mary. It's actually God bringing a pepper preparation for Mary for what she would face in the future. Pain is still pain, but when you have that same pain with the memory that it, that it is expected, it actually brings comfort. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's sickness for many of us before death. Okay? That's real. And, and we can't play that down. But the promise of the resurrection stands through that sickness and causes us to have something to hang on to through the pain, even though the pain is still pain. Does that, does that make sense? The, it, what, what, what I'm saying is, this brings a hope for her because she has this knowledge in the back of her mind. Now, Luke drew up the account, which most, nearly everything that Mary did, uh, oh, gee, I'm not speaking very clearly this morning. At the start of Luke's gospel, he says, I've talked to a whole lot of people and I've brought together this gospel. And he tells you a whole lot of things that only Mary knew in her mind. It says things like, Mary treated this in her heart. Mary thought this. Luke had to have spoken to Mary. 
when these facts arrived. Well, actually, Luke really only turned up on the scenes after Acts, when the Holy Spirit came. So we're talking 35, 33 years after Jesus was born. And Mary knew and remembered all these things because she treasured them in her heart. They simmered away so that when things happened, even in the pain, God had prearranged for her comfort. Do you understand what I'm saying? He does the same for us. We go through times in life where we're confused, frustrated, pain, all sorts of things are going on for us. But he has already given you his word, which is full of promises. And those promises remain, and they simmer in the back of our minds in the power of the Holy Spirit, and we treasure them in our hearts. And when we're going through that suffering, that pain, whatever form it takes, we know the truth. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's a good word, that. It, it, it's, it's, it's really important for us because somehow uh, we grieve with hope. That's what um, 1 Thessalonians says. We don't grieve like the rest of men because of the resurrection, he says. In other words, we do grieve, but there's something different about the way a Christian grieves. We grieve with hope. Okay, making sense? Oh, we, yep, we're all staying awake here today. Yeah, well, most of us are. Um, then came the second witness. Mary and Joseph gone to the temple. Simeon's come and, and, and prayed his prayer. And then, you know, we're two, two bear witness is often the God's way of proving the truth. Verse 36, there was a prophetess, Anna, daughter of Phanate, Phan, whatever his name was, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. Well, she was 84, actually, we're going to find out. Is anybody older than 84 here? Uh, one. <laughs> okay. Well, she was very old. She, she lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then she was a widow. So she got married, and then her husband died seven years later. So she'd been a widow for probably 50 or 60 years. She was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. So she, she basically remained in the temple for 50 or 60 years. Um, she knew the Lord was her provider and her husband. We find out in a minute that she was called a prophet, or a prophetess, excuse me. <coughs> um, she was called a prophet, so she was known to speak the word of the Lord within the temple. She was known as a holy lady within the temple confines. It, it's interesting. I, I think her husband died, and it's like she remained in the temple with God as her husband for the rest of her life, didn't she? She remained faithful to him and stayed close to him for all these years. In verse 38, it says, Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward Sorry, to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. She spoke about the redemption of Jerusalem. Why just Jerusalem? Jerusalem where the temple was. The temple symbolised the place where God was at the centre of his people. But Jerusalem needed to be redeemed. Where God was in the midst of his people. But you see, 
we heard, or we didn't hear, sorry, but at, at Christmas time we often read the passage where it says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us, or the, or, the, or the word became flesh and he tabernacled amongst us, he templed in our midst. Jesus himself came right to the centre of where we are. In other words, the new Jerusalem is the people of God around Jesus. He redeemed the temple. He was God with us, Emmanuel. He replaced the temple, actually, with the eternal presence of God. That's why when he died, the temple veil was torn in two. Now, one of the things that showed is there was no longer any separation between us and God. But it also showed that there was no longer any point for the temple. Sacrifices at that point became useless because there had been one sacrifice once for all in Christ Jesus. It was the end of the temple. There was a new Jerusalem, a redemption of Jerusalem that needed to take place. And now God is one with his people. I don't know if any of you have ever been to the temple in Jerusalem and sacrificed lamb or anything. Your sins are still forgiven by the one lamb, haven't they? Through Jesus Christ, once and for all. So, through that event, all the people were reconciled once, to all, once and for all. Now, Anna was his prophet. She was known to speak God's word within the temple. And it seems that it says that to all those afterwards who were looking forward to that redemption, she spoke to. So she became someone who, who bore witness to the birth of the Saviour within the temple confines until, well, I, I doubt she was around 30 years later when Jesus turned up. So she could have been around when he came to a small boy, she would have been 96, who knows. But she was a witness. Now, that's why, you know, the people were expecting a Messiah. There was a lot of grumbling, talking, when's, when's the Messiah coming? If you read the Gospels and you just find those pieces, you find that people say, now, are you the one? Or is there another one to come? Are you, are you Elijah? Are you, you know, that's, they're saying these things. Because, you see, into the mind of, at the heart of Israel had been put these thoughts, the Messiah's coming. I've heard, of, I've heard a rumour he was born 30 years ago, you know. He must be about to turn up sometime. Again, as I said the other day, a, a, a person became a priest at 30, at the age of 30. That's when they began to minister between the people and God, but become mediator. Okay. There's a whole lot of information there. I want to finish by talking about Simeon's words in verse 29 and 30. He said, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Now, the, the Greek in that, really, it says like, I've been waiting for this for so long, can I just go and die in peace now? Thanks. Thanks for that. I'm happy. Everything I've ever wanted happened. I saw this baby. I'm going home, and I'm having a rest. And I'm I'm going to rest in peace. And Anna, she'd waited all these years in the temple. It's like, I can go home now and I'll, I'll say it, I'll, I can die in peace. Why? Because I've seen the salvation of God. I've seen and been reminded of that promise and I know that all is well and I can rest with peace in my heart. Because we live in a very, very driven world. 
a world that is pushing towards achieving and doing things towards goals. Well, lots of goals. In fact, everybody has different goals, don't they? And we're driven towards these goals, or, and, and, and the point of, of achieving our goals is that there's some sort of satisfaction, some sort of fulfillment at the end of those goals, true? It will be followed by some sort of rest or peace. Simeon and Anna had found the goal. They had found Christ Jesus. They had seen the salvation, the redemption of Israel. They had seen the fulfilment of God's sovereign promises. Salvation had come. They could rest in peace. Now what I'm saying for us is, I don't think we should all say, okay, I can leave church today and go home and die. That's not my point. Okay? That's a bit negative, isn't it? No, what I'm saying is, we can know that the fulfilment, the satisfaction, the goal of our lives has been fulfilled already in Christ, in His birth, in His life, His death, His resurrection, and He's standing at the right hand of the Father right now to take us home. We can know that all that is set, it is sealed, it is delivered to us. It has happened. And so what it means is that we can, yes, we can live our life and we have goals and we have things we do and things like that, but they never need to be the goal. We can rest in all that we do knowing that the goal, the one thing that, we, that, that, that our heart longs for, has already been achieved in Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? And that will cause us to actually live with rest, even when we're really busy, even when we're doing all the things that we do and enjoying all the things that we do because they will never become the fulfilment. Christ is the fulfilment. Therefore, we can enjoy the things that we do. We can actually enjoy life. And God has provided witnesses. We heard about some of them on Christmas Day. Shepherds, wise men, lots of singing angels. Simeon, Anna, he's provided witnesses. And he's saying, listen to these witnesses that you might find peace in your life. Because when you live with that peace that comes through Jesus Christ alone, you can enjoy life and you can enjoy everything that it throws at you. And even in the hardships, you can know that you know that all is good because he's provided his witness and the chief witness is the birth of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. He died to restore us to God. He lives now forever and he reigns with the Father and he will call us home at just the right time. That will give peace to our hearts. Know it. Bring the pray. Father, I pray that you will bring the heart of this message into our hearts. That we might find peace in your promises. Father, that like uh, those two people we heard about today, Simeon and Anna, that we would be content with you. That we would be content knowing that all that you give is all that we need. And Father, that we would go all of our lives in peace, remembering your promises and living in the peace that comes from the surety of those promises. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.